the first real scene you see, this Dead Man's Cove scene, we see these pirate skeletons, mm -hmm. that's actually the end. And when you go down the waterfall, you're going back in time to see what led the pirates to get to that fate. Exactly. Nobody gets that, yeah. right? Nobody right. knows yeah. that. That, listen, this is, you know, we're showing you what happens to bad pirates. It's, you know, when I, when I would experience the attraction, I'm like, well, there's just a bunch of pirate skeletons, and now we're going to see some other stuff, too. <laughs> it, it's actually there for a specific storytelling reason that, um, that everybody misses, right? Mm -hmm. So that was the most shocking to me is there was a, a, a morality tale story to Pirates of the Caribbean that even though I'd written it hundreds of times, I'd never been able to piece together on my own. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we proudly present our spectacular show of podcast magic and imagination full of Disney wonder, news, and pop culture. It's the Main Street Electrical Podcast with Jim Novotny and David Dollar. Hey, Jen. Hey, Dave. It's the Main Street Electrical Podcast. I like how and we just are discordant all the time. There. And unfortunately, we're not in the same room again, uh, which, no, was, which was great last week. It was really fun sitting on the table actually recording with, with, with my podcast right? partner. So it I love that. It was fun, like actually being in the same room to do a podcast. Right? Yes, with all of our people outside screaming and yelling and everything. And they were so proud yesterday, the next day. They were like, did you hear us? Yes, we heard you. Could you tell what we were saying? No. Oh. <laughs> and, then, and then they're all messaged like, I can't wait to listen to the episode so I can hear us in the background. Okay. Just, it's, a, it's, a, it's a steady rumble, a steady roar. So, of course, uh, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, which a lot of you have, surprisingly, we didn't really promote it very well because we were both in Cancun with our travel agency, yeah. um, Upon a Star Travel and Concierge. We were down oh. there in Cancun on an agency trip, and we got to visit like a bunch of resorts. And, you know, you've been down there numerous times because you're mm -hmm. a world traveler. And myself, I had never been really out of the country except for Nassau when I was in uh, on my honeymoon once and then in high school once. Um, and so, really, this is a whole new world for me, which was, which was fantastic. It was so much fun uh the whole trip was great and so we had to throw together an episode real quick which is what we got last week but uh, yeah it was a, it's a lot of fun it was a lot of fun just kind of talking about cancun and and all that good stuff so so good times so so jen so how are you have you recovered from the trip i guess is my first question i mean i mostly i'm still a little sleepy you know and i can't say it's really jet lag so much as just we were go 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 yes up late up early mm -hmm. and you know traveling all day and you know doing my 11 hour drive back from Hilton Head which I think we're going to talk a little bit about when when we have our show next week mm -hmm. <laughs> my big long drive back for 11 hours plus then getting on a plane the next morning after like 4 hours of sleep and then yeah all sorts of crazy I've mostly recovered I'm about 80% there hopefully by tomorrow morning I'll be back up to my Normal yeah, we, 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 I could not get a flight directly like I wanted it to from, right. um, from Cancun, obviously, because they don't do a lot of direct flights. And so I flew into Houston on Monday, but because there were really no flights that were anything reasonable or anything early enough or whatever, mm -hmm. I had to come home on Tuesday. So I had to spend the night in a kind of a, I don't want to say a seedy motel, because right next to it was a beautiful Fairfield, Fairfield, Fairfield at Marriott. 
And when my wife, Stephanie, booked the hotel that was, had a restaurant, it had a shuttle, it had none of those things. Um, there was a place to eat. It was across a very busy six-lane interstate that I could have crossed, and I would have probably died. And you would have had to figure out what to do with all my trips and stuff. Not many, but, you know, who do you, who do you give them to? I don't know. Um, and so there's that. And then so I had to, to catch an Uber to get something to eat. I had to go to Walmart because I vastly underestimated how humid it was going to be in Cancun. And went through all of my clothes multiple times, sweating. And it, basically, what happened for everybody, and, I, and I'm sure this happened for you too, is you would come out in the morning with. Mm-hmm. Jen, and by the way, listeners, if you don't know Jen, if you haven't seen Jen, she always looks nice. She always has her cute dress on. She always had her hair in a ponytail, her hair is down, or whatever. She's just, she's just one of one of these kind of girls that like she just looks nice always. You just always see her, and she just can't look bad. She can't. And so she's always out in the cute dress and all of our people are out together, you know, when we're all together and I'm, you know, in my, my Hawaiian shirt and we're having a good time. And of course we're sweating through all our clothes. We get oh, yeah. back to the hotel. We change clothes. We get our swimsuits on, we go to the pool Well, we're going to dinner that night. Well, you don't want to put back on your clothes you took off this morning because they're just, they're sticky. And they're kind of, had yeah. you worn them straight through, I would have been fine. They would have dried, you know, then you shower that night. But no, 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 you don't want to put them on. So now you're putting on the clothes you actually had planned for tomorrow morning. Yeah. So you're an outfit behind. And then I had to call in laundry and I had to go to Walmart really to get some clean underwear because underwear and socks are two things i do not rewear i just i don't do it no because um, that's a good policy right? you know, I, I don't <laughs> that's a good so then i had to had to go to waffle house and i'm texting jen i'm like you're gonna find me in a pool of blood in an inner city waffle house parking lot and just it was it was fine um, my phone was at one percent and just it was this whole fiasco of a thing um and of course i told my wife this and she's just like um i thought there's a restaurant there no restaurant no shuttle it was just a it was great. It was a lot of fun, but I'm, I'm kind of recovered. I've got been able to rest some today. I've been working all day like you. And so uh, that was yeah. my, my, my journey home, but we had a great time in Cancun. And if you haven't heard that episode, go back and listen to it. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's 30 minutes. It's a, it's a quick drive. It's a, you know, it's a, it's an after Taco Bell bathroom visit. So there you go. Mm-hmm. You can listen to the episode right there. So, <laughs> so Jen, how did you Disney this week? Because we were together. So I must've seen it. Yeah, I guess you must have. I'm although. You actually did not because I, did not. I Disneyed. I, I did. I did come in a little bit late. Mm-hmm. And this week, how I Disneyed because really I landed Monday. That's true. I spent yesterday planning a last-minute Disney vacation for one Look of my you. lovely clients who you. I just love, and they managed to like grab some time off next month. They're like, "Hey, I know it's last minute, but we have miles on the airlines. Can we go?" Like mm-hmm. absolutely, Great. I love those. So, love which those. is so nice. So I, you know, trying to get itineraries together right. and you right, know right, get right. stuff out. So I, that is actually how I Disney this week. That's very cool. Yeah. Well, I Disney in kind of an odd way this week. And, and as we're talking to our guest, which we just talked to our guest, mm-hmm. and so it's kind of all being pieced together as the podcast said it goes. Uh, but he said something to me as he's a, he's, a, he's a writer. He writes a travel yes. guide. And he said something about how, you know, Disney tra- travel experts and Disney experts know all about Disney, but the, the, the layman doesn't sometimes don't know anything sometimes. Mm-hmm. And they feel foolish asking questions. And I kind of saw some of that when I was in Cancun at the All-Inclusives because I know everything. Everything you need to know about Wilderness Lodge and Boulder Ridge and Polynesian and monorails mm-hmm. and fast passes and, you know, Liberty Street Tavern and mm-hmm. Disney Springs and pin training, all of that. We could, you know, you threw out pin training. We're going to have a 25 minute conversation on pin training. We get down to Cancun. We're at a completely different, obviously a different world, different land. You know, there are terms being thrown out there like all senses inclusive, charisma, Riviera Maya, the Yucatan <laughs> Peninsula. Cancun, Playa del Karma, beachfront, oceanfront. And I'm having to piece all of these together. And, I, you know, I'm asking questions. And I'm like, okay. And a lot of times I would preface it with, okay, so this is a really stupid question, but I have to ask this. And 
probably for some people, it would be like asking you, dear Jen, the, the, the Disney expert. Okay, so there's a value and a moderate and a deluxe, and a right? I mean, those kind of basic questions. Mm-hmm. And I kind of felt that. I kind of felt like it was kind of a, kind of a good, good reminder and refresher of people that, that do Disney. They don't know a lot about Disney because, you know, people have to learn. How am I, how am I going to learn what the difference is in a, in a fives and a charisma is unless I go and ask questions right. and find out for myself? So, so that was kind of cool for me to kind of put myself in, the, in those shoes, in those Disney shoes of just, okay, so this is what the new person from Disney is trying to figure out. They don't know and, you know, mm-hmm. much like me. And so hopefully within the next one to five to six, seven years, maybe I'll I'll be an expert too. I don't know. And so you will. <laughs> um, you hopefully, will. hopefully it's a great time down there, but uh, we're going to kind of push news off to next week because we have a great conversation coming up with an author named Christopher E. Smith. Now take that whole name of Christopher E. Smith. Don't say Chris Smith. Don't say C. Smith. Don't say Christopher Smith. Got to throw the E in there because there's books out there that he, that he didn't write. Right. And there's books that some Christopher E. Smith, that Yahoo out there wrote that he didn't write either. We'll get to that in a few minutes. <laughs> to be fair, so, we don't know if he's really a Yahoo, but I mean, he might right. be. <laughs> That's true. Well, no, he's not a Yahoo, but the guy who, I don't know. But well, we our guest know. is not a Yahoo. We like, the, we like this yeah, guy we very, like very much. Very, very much. So, so Jen, um, he's been on Divas. Is that correct? He's been on Divas. Um, mm-hmm at least twice, possibly three times. Mm-hmm. And we've had a lovely time speaking with him every time he's been Wonderful. on Divas. And so when we did our book giveaway, of course, mm-hmm. not too yep. long ago, it jumped to my mind. Oh my gosh, these books were great. I'm going to put these up as you know some of our giveaways. And then it was like, wait a second why would we not just have him on the show? So let's get him on the show. And- let's do it. Let's yeah, go let's to it, it right about now. Um, today we have the author Chris Smith on the podcast, and specifically Christopher E. Smith. If you look online, you might find multiple Christopher Smiths, but this is Christopher E. Smith, and he is a fantastic guest, one that I have had on the Divas multiple times. I'm so excited to welcome him to the show today, and in fact, he is the one who authored two of the books that we put up for our book giveaway a couple of weeks ago. What was that? I think like a month ago, we did a book mm-hmm. giveaway yep. and we had two of his books up there. So, and a lot of you had indicated interest and we thought, Hey, let's have him on the show. So, Hey, welcome, Chris. How are you? Hey, Jen, doing great. It's good to talk with you again. Uh, you know, it's funny, you mentioned the name thing, you know, Chris <laughs> Smith is so common that Literally, when people try to find me, it's like sifting through, you know, uh, you know, you know, you know, 10,000 bales of hay. You know, it's just hard to find me. So every little bit that you can make different uh, helps out a little bit. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. I think I grew up with a couple of Chris Smiths, but it's <laughs> listen, just search for one of his book titles. Once you get to his website, you can find everything right there. It's uh, I'm sure we'll have him plug it yeah, here. You can click on his name because um, but you do have to throw the E in, e in there to make sure it's in there because otherwise mm-hmm. you're coming up with all sorts of books and such and there's also there's a horror book called triangle uh written by christopher smith that doesn't look very disney that's and- not very disney <laughs> fifth avenue well, you know, a thriller I mean, yeah and you both know this you know, i'm an attorney in my day job yeah. unfortunately there is a christopher smith out there that has written a couple of legal books as well mm-hmm. so yeah that that even yep. adds a further layer of confusion in terms of people trying to <laughs> to, to, to find the the Chris Smith Disney book guy, right? So, right. Um, you know, so as much help as I can give people, you know, I, I, I try to do that. Yeah. Well, that's good because, yeah, it's, it's an E, which I feel like for a middle initial, maybe that's, you know, I don't know 
I guess I've never looked at the statistics of like male middle initials, like how often right. is it a vowel versus a consonant? <laughs> but it's a vowel, and there's less vowels and consonants. Now, so. looking you up on 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 the interwebs, I I do have to ask because you are an attorney. I'm assuming you are the co-author of Criminal Justice in America with George F. Cole from 2015. I am not. That's a Christopher. Yes. Okay. Yeah, wow. That is, again, that's wow. that's what makes it so so crazy. <laughs> Literally, you know, the only books I have written are Disney related, and so oh, wow. when you okay. combine my common yeah. name with my legal profession, right. and there just happens to be another guy out there with my name that is yeah, written. Christopher E. Smith. I was like, well, he yeah, obviously he wrote some legal books that's, too. Well, that's really cool. <laughs> When I ran across that, I was, I was like, you just got to be kidding me. I mean, come <laughs> right. on. I mean, like, really? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's you know, my parents were not very imaginative when it came to names. So, you know, this, 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 this is the burden that I have to carry as an author, you know, you're potentially getting credit or blamed for so, so many other people's works. <laughs> At least you just hope that everybody else out there who's an author with your name writes well. <laughs> At yes. least you just have to yes. be, keep fingers you know, crossed. Fingers, fingers well, crossed. <laughs> with, a la- with a name like David Dollar, the good thing is that people identify me and they know my work. The bad thing is I can't get lost in the shuffle if something bad comes out. I'm like, oh, yep, there's, there's, a, there's a few. There's, you know, I t- Birmingham is where I live, and so there are two other David Dollars in the area. And really? a few years ago, some, some things came out on the internet with a whole list of names uh, from the area that where people were involved in bad things. And I had to go look to find out to see if David Dollar was on that list so I could tell people, that's not me. That's not, oh thankfully, there was no, no listen. But I was like, that's not me. I'll tell you off the air what that was. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, yeah was th- a, th- th- thank yeah. goodness, because I would imagine that is still a difficult explanation to try to convey. Con- sure, convey it's to not people. you, because no, people don't know anybody else named David Dollar. So uh, that's, yeah. that's it, you know, so that's all. Um, so yeah, we. I, I'm really fascinated, first of all. I, I love Disney history. I'm an mm-hmm. amateur Disney historian. So anytime somebody comes up and like I've written books on Disney history I'm like I'm there and and in the in in the downtime before the show I went on my my Kindle and downloaded uh the Walt Disney World that ever was because it's on sale on Amazon for $4.99 on Kindle and so I'm waiting for that to download but um <laughs> so I, I have a I have a multitude of questions and and uh, just as do I <laughs> curiously I'm starting out what makes an attorney decide to write books about Disney I mean I yeah. I don't know the attorney life. It may be fascinating. It may be boring. I don't know. But what makes you decide to? I'm All sorry, I think about is books. my cousin Vinny. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's I actually get asked that question a lot. And what I tell people is, you know, really, you know, kind of what led me to actually start writing Disney books was just a love of Disney that mm-hmm. I had ever since I was a kid. You know, I'm I'm, I'm 43. I grew up in those prime Disney Channel you know, you know, years where literally that's what I watched. And Mm -hmm. when my family finally took me to, to Walt Disney world at age seven, you know, I was just, I was hooked from the very beginning. And so just that love of Disney kind of continued through the years. And like a lot of us, you know, all, all three of us, I'm sure, you know, you get to a point where, you know, it just means more to you than just a, a mm-hmm. theme park to go visit. And so that kind of Absolutely. sparked, you know, I have, I have a history background. I'm a, uh, my undergraduate degree is in history and, you know, kind of started oh. just kind of delving into and researching the history of the Disney company. And, yeah. you know, what I realized, you know, for, for the first book, The Walt Disney World That Never Was, is, you know, those stories about things that been were really stories of the Disney company's history. And these mm-hmm. were entertaining stories that involved big personalities and big ideas and just were so cool to me that, you know, you know, my, my, my day job is very hours intensive mm-hmm. and so is my, my family time. But finally right. just decided, hey, why don't I just give this a shot and, and, and see what it turns out to be? And 
I'm really thankful that I did because I was really proud of, of the book that came out. It's been overwhelmingly popular. Oh, it's and, fabulous. Uh, and it just, you know, again, it kind of sparked a, you know, I get asked a lot, what, what do you need to, 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 to become a Disney historian? And mm -hmm. And I say, well, I don't know, but you know, what I imagine it is, is just time, time, right? I mean, if you love right. something you're passionate about it, you consume the information that's out mm -hmm. there, books and podcasts and, mm -hmm. and, and official Disney company materials and marketing materials. And, uh, and, and you do, you find all these great stories that even someone like me who visited the park a lot may not have known about just from kind of the, the superficial park experience. And then like, what, so tell me, cause I know, I know what we've asked you this on the divas, but for our listeners, like what like kind of source material did you end up getting access to, to write, for example, like the Walt Disney world that never was, because that is so behind the scenes. That's not things that you really get to, you know, just by going sure. to the parks. You're, you're not really stuff You can just ask that. most cast members and they'll tell you. you yeah. Know, I mean, obviously like an attraction guide's one thing. I mean, you can experience those things or, or Disney well, bus know, drivers, which are known to be a bastion of truth sure. oh yeah the Disney bus drivers <laughs> always tell the truth <laughs> you know that, that is a very interesting question because you know for and people are shocked to hear this but the primary source material for the Walt Disney World that never was so we're talking about all these different ideas and attractions yeah. and lands and even parks to some extent that Disney's Imagineers dreamed up but for whatever reason never actually came to be Mm -hmm. Really, the biggest source of information for those are the Disney companies, uh, you know, marketing materials and press releases, especially dating back to the, the late 1960s before construction began. Uh, and then wow. in the 1970s and early 1980s, you know, in those early years of the, of the yeah. parks being open. Because, you know, back then, if you think about it, you know, the Disney company was very different then than it is now. Yeah. It was not the theme park expert that we that we know today you know mm -hmm. they had disneyland that had been very successful but then this was the kind of the the leap of faith in terms of going to the for sure and so if you look back at uh you know the disney company is a public company and it has been for a long time so these mm -hmm. annual shareholder reports that the company puts out that are essentially disclosure documents to their to their shareholders uh you know very rare very hard to get your hands on for those those 1960s 1970s area era documents but if, if you do get them, you see, you know, they're advertising these major concepts like a Thunder Mesa project and like yeah. a Venetian, a Venetian resort hotel on, 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 on the seventies lagoon and all these wonderful things. I would have loved that one. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> I would and, have loved and, that one so much. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, but, th but they put this information out there and, yeah. you know, today the company's a little different in that they're, they're much less, prone to put out material before project is a done deal, but it still happens today. You know, mm -hmm. we had, we had, we had, you know, uh, an announcement from amphitheater that was going to be on main street USA a couple of years ago at the, yep. the D 23 conference. Right. But, but you know what? Things happen in the business world, you know, you know, economic mm -hmm. downturns or, or needing to shift money to another project or, mm -hmm. or, or just numerous other things happen in business real world situations that, yeah. you know, projects have to get pulled for a lot of reasons, but, it's, it, but you put information out there and these projects that never came to be, they can, they can range from just kind of a, a, a brainstorming storyboarding session mm -hmm. to, man, we were literally on the doorstep of building this thing of, uh, and, and it just, yeah. the, the plug got pulled. So, 
Uh, the, the, so again, the primary source is the Disney company itself and what they put out there. And then you, you know, you kind of start digging through some other resources as well, but a treasure trove of information that Disney put out by virtue of, of marketing materials for the parks, mm. disclosure reports to its, to its, to its owners. Uh, you know, you can really gather a lot of information from those resources. I think that I think you're I think you're right. I think it's out there. You just have to look for it and you have to know where to look. I was at in Orlando finishing up a Disney vacation and I got to go by Theme Park Connections back when they had an actual brick and mortar store where oh, they I love you know, that. It's, a, it's a store that would sell props and they'd sell memorabilia and just whatever and you could go and buy, you know, parking lot signs from nineteen eighty five. And on the table they had blueprints, genuine real blueprints for Pop Century for purchase. It was like 50 bucks. You could buy the entire set of blueprints, all-star movies. I don't know. I'm sure it wasn't the only set of blueprints, but you could buy blueprints for right. the, for, you know, it's like randomly there's pop century blueprints. I don't know how old they were or they're how exact they were, but I know that, you know, the stuff's out there, which I think is, you just got to have the time and the, and the know-how to kind of gather yeah. it together and put it together. And the patience. Yeah, and the patience. <laughs> and the that, patience. That's right. And then, and then you, you know, it's, it's, you start weaving that information together with, you know, with information you can get from, from Imagineers and, and either directly or through books that they put out and, and mm-hmm. other resources. But, 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 you know, the, the Walt Disney World that never was, it was really a document intensive research type project. Right. Oh, yeah. My, my backstory series, on the other hand, that was really more just, hey, I'm going to be in the parks 24 hours a day looking at every box, looking at every window, looking mm-hmm. at every prop and figuring out what this piece of the puzzle means. So two That's different, cool. different research projects. But, but, uh, you know, again, it's, it's getting to, you know, what is the story and how do we lay that out? It, it's funny you mentioned, just take a sidetrack. Yeah. Uh, theme Park Connection. Mm-hmm. I miss them a lot and I'm sure they miss me a lot because I've got, <laughs> I've got a mini adventures of Winnie the Pooh fast pass sign. I've got a oh. Frontierland shooting yeah. arcade sign that's in a storage locker because it's so massive. I can't put it anywhere. You know, so I, I fell victim to many, many park props uh, yeah. from, from, from them. Yeah. And it's, I mean, they, and they had more than just Disney stuff too. There actually were napkins from the set of the movie Soul Plane with Snoop Dogg for $8. <laughs> and I almost bought one, but I'm like, I don't know that I need, I need a Soul Plane like, do napkin. Do you really need home. that? Exactly. But they, they had pins and things like that, like out of circulation pins. And now they're, they're I think they're online only. Um, but the, the treasure trove to me was a, they actually had one of the old boats from Pirates of the Caribbean. It was so large you could walk into it. And it was like $1,500. And I'm thinking, this is incredible. I just don't know where I would put this in my house because it was right. like a fort. It was really, 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 really cool. You could make a fort in your backyard. I you could. build a shed. I, could. I don't have much of a backyard. That would be my backyard. I would have to drive my car out through that fort. I feel like this garage. is worth it, though. I, I, yeah, possibly. Yeah, I possibly. don't know. <laughs> so I want to kind of look at just some of your books real quick because yeah. – um, one of the things I was looking at, and, and again, I just downloaded the Walt Disney Never Was, so obviously I haven't had a chance to read it yet. Mm-hmm. And, and looking at the topics of some of the stories, I've kind of heard some highlights of this, that, and the other. Uh, but there was one that I, I saw that I, that I don't know much about, and that's Fire Mountain and Villains Mountain. Do you remember that yes. story? Can you speak to that a little bit? Because I'm fascinated about just that chapter title. Absolutely. And that I'm, I'm really glad you asked that because that – even as someone who's researched it and thought mm-hmm. about it, it's still, it's still just shocking to me what was, what was potentially contemplated mm-hmm. when, when you look at those two, those two concepts. So when I first visited the Magic Kingdom, my absolute favorite attraction, it's still my favorite attraction to this day, even though it's now gone, was 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Right. You know, attraction. A, an attraction that, you know, where you actually boarded one of these one of these green submarines from, from, yeah. from the film and, and, and went under the water somewhat. And mm-hmm. it was just a great, you know, for, for a kid my age, just a wonderful attraction. It was a maintenance nightmare 
mm-hmm. from the very beginning oh, for, for Disney. Uh, you know, just it, just breakdowns and handicap accessibility and lots mm-hmm. of other issues. And it also occupied a massive footprint in Fantasyland. So it closed down, it, it, it closed unofficially, in, I think, in 94. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a couple of years later, it was, it was announced it was permanently closed. So we're in the Michael Eisner era. And, you know, people have very, um, you know, how can I say, they have strong opinions about Michael Eisner yep. And, yep. and his era with the Disney company. I'm a huge Eisner fan because, again, right from here. looking at that the was- history, <laughs> you know, the, the Disney company was in a, a very bad place when he took mm-hmm. over. And the Walt Disney World that we all love today would not have been possible without Michael Eisner and his drive to add things to the park when he got there. Now, again, it, you know, bad decisions were also made, and the end was not was not great. But, Swan and Dolphin. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Mickey Minnie going to get married. Never Sorry. mind. Sorry. <laughs> so, well, you know, um, but but so so when he came in, you know, one of, one of his one of his driving forces, I think, throughout his his tenure was we need more attractions that are appealable to our teen and adult audience. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah. and so we want, we want some attractions that will pull in that, that, that demographic. So he had a couple of different teams of Imagineers come up with different ideas for new attractions to take up this, this large space that 20,000 leagues under the sea, you know, formerly occupied. One was a concept called fire mountain and, it was it was kind of like a it was also a Jules Verne esque type concept the way that Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea was but it would be this 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 large essentially volcano that was that was um, you know for for the Fantasia fans out there kind of you know taking taking uh, inspiration from the night on Bald Mountain segment of that film you know mm-hmm. you know fire and brimstone and 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 a roller coaster a, a I wouldn't say a high speed roller coaster in compare, but you know, for by right. Disney standards, a, a, an adrenaline pumping type attraction. Another team of Imagineers focused on a concept called villains mountain. And, you know, it's, it's still, it's still even today just surprises me how popular immensely popular Disney villains are. Oh with, yeah. With yes. fans. yeah. You know, I mean, Huge. I mean, we, Everybody loves the Disney villains, right? It's, it, 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 it's crazy. Uh, you know, their, their merchandise flies off the shelves. You've got these special ticketed events where, where the villains being there drive attendance. And so they're more fun. They are. I mean, yes. I love Tiana, but Dr. Facilier is a lot more fun than, than Princess <laughs> Tiana. I'm just saying he's a lot cooler than Tiana can ever. Maleficent be. is probably the most evil kick butt villain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and what's and what's funny is is you know, you see in the parks you see this right you see you see children and, and 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 children of all ages you know even adults you know children at heart you know running to get photos with 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 the evil queen and Maleficent. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you watch these movies, which I do from time you know with my kids, man, they were really mean, right? I mean, they you know they weren't too romanticized in the early an, you know animated films, but, but anyway, immensely popular. And so this second team of Imagineers. Built, built up this concept that would have been mm-hmm. a log flume type attraction, but again, set within, set within a mountain range. And, and it wouldn't have focused on any one villain, but would have been kind of a celebration of all Disney villains. So you'd have gotten a good mix of all these different, all these wow. different, um, all these different mm. villains. What, the, the thing that really just, just kind of blows my mind about these ideas 
is that at one time, Michael Eisner considered green lighting both, both concepts, right? So Whoa. can you imagine that? I mean, no. getting two <laughs> new mountains to the Disney mountain range there in Fantasyland or maybe one in Adventureland and one in Fantasyland. That would have been insane. But, 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 but right. I mean, that's crazy. It would, have, it would have completely changed the landscape and the dynamic of, of the Magic Kingdom mm-hmm. that we would mm-hmm. be still kind of be, be seeing and enjoying today. So instead of Fantasyland um, being doubled its size, which happened in 2013, 2014, it would yeah. literally have been cut into half, cut in half, basically. Because they yeah, would be I mean, either would, probably a new land of some sort. I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah, you would have had to do something, right? Because, you know, just again, kind of top, you know, again, the, the concepts don't really, you know, tie in that well with a fire mountain. That's why right. I mentioned Adventureland. At one point, it was yeah. considered moving that over to right. Adventureland to fit in from a thematic standpoint. And then with the villains, you can make that work. You yeah, know, you can make that work in Fantasyland because it's mm-hmm. fantasy, right? But. but you know, so 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 what happened, right? We, what, why didn't we get get these yeah. concepts for the Fire Mountain concept? They, you know, we'll talk about this maybe in a little bit, but you know, intellectual properties are a huge, you know, a, a huge issue yeah. today in the Disney community uh, and how those are used and 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 attractions in the parks. Well, Disney was looking for an IP tie-in. And 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 found it with uh, with a film called Treasure Planet, right? And oh yeah, um, nice. And unfortunately, the film didn't perform that great. And with that, you know, some you know, just that had an effect on the attraction concept. Mm-hmm. Villains Mountain was the opposite, right? You know, we, we've heard these rumors forever of you know, will, will we ever get a a a, a Disney villains themed park mm-hmm. or even a right. standalone land? And so Imagineers and executives thought, well, why do we, why would we use this kind of, you know, this, this marquee weenie type attraction in fantasy land when that can be the centerpiece of a villain's themed land or a villain's themed park if we, mm-hmm. if we do that later. Now, Which I do think would do today, really well. <laughs> I think it would do really <laughs> yeah. well. You know, I, I do too, but you know, that's what, what's so, you know, I love these concepts because it's great to think about what could have been, mm-hmm. but it's also a bit maddening. When, when you sit back and think, because of course we know today that just never happened, right? Or, to, yeah. or at least until today it hasn't happened. And so just like that, you know, the concepts disappear, but mm-hmm. just fascinating to think about that at one time we could have gotten both two new mountains oh to the, to, to the Disney mountain range. And that just, you know, oh, that's, that's just very fun to sit back and think about. Well, and it makes me think how Disney World was open in 71 and Epcot opened like, you know, 10 years later, 11 years later. Yeah. And then Hollywood Studios opened eight, nine years later and then Animal Kingdom later. opened 10 years later. And it makes me wonder if the Imagineers in the late 90s when maybe Animal Kingdom opened, if they thought to themselves, there's no way 20 years will go by before we have another theme park. But surely we'll have a fifth park within the next that's, 20 years. I mean, that's fair. It's a safe bet. You know, of course, then we had 9-11, the recession, blah, blah, blah. And so many things, the digital age, the internet age rolled in and so many things changed. But it really has... It's crazy that we've gone 20 years without even without even hearing rumors of a of Disney theme park. Like nobody takes a theme park seriously. Like it's you know, it's yeah. there's no even not even I out mean, there in the always, far future. There's yeah. always ongoing rumors, but right. none of them are ever like credible. You know, right. it's just like right. oh, that rumor's been going around forever. That's yeah. not going to happen. Right, and even you know, it, it almost seems like that the 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 move now has been well, let's create lands. Right. Yes. So you, know, you've got, you know, you've got this huge, huge Star Wars IP franchise. Well, let's not do a standalone theme park. Let's mm-hmm. do a land and, and Toy Story and Avatar. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, you, now you did have Universal now, you know, with Epic Universe that has been right. been paused, we hope. Right. right. Uh, mm-hmm. That we're going to do a, this major part. But it's just such 
you know, one of the big tenets that I took away from writing the Walt Disney World that never was is the reality that even though we love Walt Disney World, we love the Disney company, at the end of the day, it is a corporation. It is a business yeah. and it has shareholders that it reports to. And as much as we don't want to see this, their primary goal is to make money for the shareholders. Yeah. And so when you, when you look at the, uh, this, the substantial amount of resources that it takes to build a standalone theme park mm-hmm. and the risk involved with that, you know, it's, it's, it's just tough. I think for those executives to kind of get over that threshold and, and, sure. and, and get people to build one, especially you now I want to you know, be a, be a rain cloud, but especially mm-hmm. now with kind of what we've gone through with COVID-19 and, and just kind of, they're, just, they're trying to get attendance back for their parks, right. you know, to some right. extent now. The, con, the thought of building new parks, you know, however close we had gotten, I think we, we pro- obviously, I say we, you know, those companies mm-hmm. probably push the brakes on those at least for now. Yeah, because right. even some of the attractions, you know, did kind of get scaled back, you know, with the Epcot, mm-hmm. Mary Poppins and different R.I.P. Mary Poppins, absolutely. That, I, it, that still hurts me a lot. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm sorry because we did never have had Mary Poppins attraction, but we had Alien Encounter. No. You know, Mary Poppins is actually my, my favorite movie uh, of all time. My kids love it. And, and I, I would have loved to have seen that. But again, if you go back to, to the Walt Disney World that never was, you know, so many times finances are the reason, the primary driving force for why things don't get off the drawing board. And mm-hmm. it can either be the company's not doing well, or it can be things like the, you know, the OPEC oil embargo from the seventies that, that just sure. greatly reduced the, the number of people that were traveling nine mm-hmm. 11, uh, you know, you know, all these different things happen from a corporate perspective that affect revenue. And if they're not making the money then they can't spend the money to, 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 to build these new concepts. So right. it's a, right. unfortunately it's a recurring theme that you see over and over dating back to even before the park first opened, yeah. they were looking at some other concepts to add to opening day that just couldn't, that just, that just mm-hmm. didn't make it. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of, of, of that concept though, of the parks, the things that didn't make it in your mind and all, with all your research, what's the, can you think of an attraction, maybe the closest attraction that was, or experience that was so close to happening that didn't like what, what came the closest to happening that just one little thing messed it up or one mm-hmm. little decision or one little something happened that it was, it was right there. And now it's not, can you think of, of anything like that that falls in that category? Yeah. yeah I'll tell you one that. That's really kind of, you know, I love all these concepts. Right? I don't yeah. so much time. Oh, yeah, me too. I <laughs> talk, we can talk about, for five hours. Or ever. Really <laughs> but, but the one that, that frustrates me the most, because uh, at the end of the day, it, it, it was not implemented because of a lack of finances. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was not implemented because of, you know, it wasn't going to be popular. Or, it, it, the primary reason was just a personality conflict, right? Mm. That, that's really what it was. And that's Roger Rabbit's Hollywood. For, for Disney's yeah. Hollywood studios. We talked about that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and people, what's funny is, is people forget, you know, I'm, again, I'm, I'm 43. Um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit came out in 1988. So people mm-hmm. today kind of laugh when I bring up the film, but they have no idea just how much of a cultural phenomenon that movie was. I remember. Mm-hmm. I remember. It absolutely yeah. was a blockbuster hit. The second highest growing, grossing film of that year and really, you know, when people talk about the Disney animation renaissance, they point to 89 and The Little Mermaid. And certainly, you know, mm-hmm. that, sure. that, that, yeah. that is included in Beauty and the Beast all those afterwards. But I argue, because this was a Disney touchstone project, Who Framed Roger Rabbit was, 
that it was really Who Framed Roger Rabbit that got people caring about animated work on the film again. That's a good right. point. And, um, and, and again, it was, it, was, it was great because, you know, the, the Disney's uh, MGM Studios at the time had just opened. It was designed to be a half-day park. And from the, from the mm-hmm. outset, it was overwhelmingly popular. So immediately yeah. Disney Imagineers were thinking, what can we add? What are our expansion plans? And, and some of those plans included a, a new subland called Roger Rabbit's Hollywood that would have been, you know, on this sunset boulevard path that was eventually built that would have included, you know, around three different attractions, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and dark rides and simulators. And if you just think, I don't know that there's ever been an intellectual property that ties in more closely with a host park than Who Framed Roger Rabbit in yeah. Disney's Hollywood Studios. Yes. The movie's set in this golden age of Hollywood, and it would have just been absolutely perfect. The problem was that that movie was a collaboration between Disney and uh, and Steven Spielberg's company, right? And mm-hmm. uh, eventually what happened is a dispute arose between Disney and, and Spielberg about how to use those Who Framed Roger Rabbit characters in not even you know, sequel full length films, but essentially animated shorts that were aired as previews in front of, in front of, uh, uh, as trailers in front of uh, feature films at the movies. Um, and this is crazy to think about. Think about this. This, this dispute arose because Disney wanted to play this Roger Roger Rabbit short film in front of Dick Tracy, right? Which was a massive investment for, for the Disney company back in 1990. Spielberg, for whatever reason, I still can't figure this out, wanted to play it in front of arachnophobia. Now, I don't know if you all remember that film. I do remember that movie. But it is essentially I a horror see. movie about spiders. I mean, it, it, so it was crazy. But that dispute, and, and let's be honest, the egos. You're talking about oh. Michael Eisner, and you're talking about Steven Spielberg. I think that ego conflict is what got in the way of us having this land that I'm convinced would have been overwhelmingly popular. Um, amazing. And, and it yeah. just, just like that, it, 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 it went away. Uh, but if you look, <clears throat> you know, back then when, when the movie came out, Roger Rabbit was all over the, the Disney parks. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think the Disney company at that time was looking for something. They didn't know what that something was, but when Roger Rabbit hit, they had found it. And mm-hmm. they, you had that character in the parks. The annual report for the company that year looks like a love letter to Roger Rabbit. And again, just all these huge plans that just didn't make it in because of that. And that's what's most frustrating for me is that I can understand, you know, listen, there's been an economic downturn. Mm-hmm. We don't have the money to build this, but it was, it was the opposite. You know, the company was doing, was doing well, was about to really take off after that. Um, and, and again, because of that personality conflict, we never got to see it. That's just, it just blows my mind because that would have been amazing. And you can see those little touch tones of Roger Rabbit, like all through the theme park. Yes. And that, and that's one of the, that, that's probably one of my favorite parts about the book, the Walt Disney world that never was, is that mm-hmm. each chapter includes kind of, you know, directions where you can find remnants of these concepts yeah. uh, in the parks. And so, you know, you know, people in the studios will see, you know, a large maroon studios billboard that has Roger Rabbit and, yeah. And some windows above uh, above a restaurant there, mm-hmm. where you see Rogers cut out, you know, uh, you know, in a window replicating a scene from the movie. Yeah. And it's those little fun finds that I just love because I feel like those are, you know, we forget that Imagineers put a ton of blood, sweat, and tears into coming up with these great yeah. concepts. And for them not to get made, 
know, that, that, that those are tough realities. That's when hard. We include, when we include little hidden Easter eggs like that in the parks, I feel like those are tributes to those Imagineers who, who worked on those projects. And I just absolutely love, uh, love finding those things. I think that's amazing. Yeah. And then, so secondarily, then that kind of leads into, you know, not only are there stories of things that never happened, but the things that are there, everything has a backstory in Disney. Right. Literally. There is not, I mean, because Disney is about storytelling. So every attraction, every window, every little element tells or forwards a story. And so that's why I also enjoy these magical backstories. And I love how in-depth you go. And I like that you're doing different volumes to kind of really focus in on, okay, it's these lands. That way, because sometimes you can get them where you just get a little taste of this land. You know, like you get one or two stories from a park this is like in depth and i love that it, yeah and and i appreciate you saying that and that and that's what i wanted right that mm-hmm. i wanted you know i wanted a definitive resource where yeah. if, if i want to know everything i can possibly know about the backstories and the details and what does this this label right. on this box mean in liberty square mm-hmm. where can i find that and and like you said i mean there's there's these fun little, you know, you'll find a story here or a story there and different mm-hmm. resources, but you can't pull, you know, a, a book or a series of books and find all those. And I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to do this. Yeah, and I'll make I had, one. I had it. no idea how much work <laughs> it was, was going to take to do that. As a matter of fact, so two volumes are out right now, and it took two volumes to collectively do the Magic Kingdom. And in yeah. volume one, I do Main Street USA. Liberty Square and Frontierland. So, mm-hmm. so those lands that are kind of grounded in, 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 in real U.S. history and, and, and geographic yeah. regions. And then the second volume did Adventureland, Tomorrowland, and Fantasyland, those that are kind of, you know, more fantastic. Imagination. And, yeah. Like that. Exactly. Uh, and, and it was just a, a tremendously fun exercise uh, to, to kind of go through and dig through, the, through those and a great educational process for me. And the reason I did that is, is you know, to your point, Jen, you know, when Disneyland was first created, you know, the Disney company knew nothing about mm-hmm. theme parks, but they knew everything about storytelling. Right. And, and they conveyed that storytelling emphasis into everything they did at Disneyland and then correspondingly at Walt Disney World. So, you know, even the way that you enter the Magic Kingdom is a mm-hmm. part of a storytelling process. And, you know, when you see, when you see windows with, 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 with different names on those windows, it's not by chance. Those are there for a reason. Right. Um, and even attractions and, rest, and restaurants, you know, uh, you know, so much story there that, that 90% of, of fans who are there enjoying the park have no idea is going on. And that's great, right? right? You can go to the parks and enjoy them, just kind of taking them on surface level. Mm-hmm. But when you do understand all these backstories and these secrets and these details, man, it just makes that experience so much more fun. And I just had a blast. I've had a blast writing those books so far and, and, and obviously more, more in process. And I'm sure though, that you'll, you'll be writing something, you'll find something out and you're like, Oh, I wish I put that in the book. That would have been, how did I miss that or whatever? (laughs) Well, you know, that happens some, that has happened some, but really the biggest thing is, and I, and I did think to include this as a preface in, 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 in the books, is that the Disney parks are continually changing. Right, they'll never Absolutely. be changing. And morphing, yep. right? And so, so you know, a, a window that has this name on it today may be mm-hmm. consum- something completely different tomorrow. Attractions come and go. Yeah. And that's what makes it so fun, though, right? So for me... <clears throat> Let's take the Magic Kingdom, for example. Yeah. So I spent the better part of two and a half years 
writing these two books and mm -hmm. collecting these details and researching and spending hours in the parks and rewriting attractions and rewriting attractions. Yeah. Even though I've spent all that time and effort, every time I go to the Magic Kingdom or any other park, I see something that I've never seen before. And I notice mm -hmm. a new detail that I've never seen before. Yeah. And for me, that's not frustrating. That's what makes it so fun and so exciting because right. mm -hmm. these stories aren't static. They continue mm -hmm. to grow and morph and evolve over time. I, I'm just imagining you two, a couple of years ago, finishing typing and you're like, finally, I have finished the entire chapter <laughs> on Ellen's energy adventure. And then you go check your email and you're like, oh man, <laughs> dang it. <laughs> Guess that goes in volume two of never, Disney never was. <laughs> it's, 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 it's crazy. I actually, you know, one of the, after I wrote the first book, um, you know, you would think that the strategy would be, all right, let's, t let's start on, let's figure out what book two is going to be and let's write it. Well, instead I came up with like 15 ideas. Right. And so it became, it became, all right, I'm going to write a little bit on this one for a while. And then all right, I'm going to jump over to this one. And so that's, that's what's happened. One of the books that I'm have in process is a, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a, a, a corresponding book to the Walt Disney world that never was. It's the Walt Disney world that used to be right. Where you talk Ooh. about, it's essentially my excuse to be able to talk about 20,000 leagues under the sea. And, wow. And, yeah. This is valid. Uh, I, I so but, former but, attractions, not attractions yeah, so, that exist. So, so ex not, extinct that, attractions. That's cool. But uh, but again, it's 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 and I think Disney fans and even me, we struggle with this, right? We struggle mm. with change in the parks, yeah. especially if we're talking it's about true. attractions, historic, it's true. you know, classic attractions that go away. But you know, again, it, it's it's and, and multiple Imagineers have said this. You know, the Disney parks are not museums, right? They are right. meant to grow and evolve. And that makes writing books about them both fun and frustrating. And it also kind of just as a Disney fan kind of tugs at your heartstrings because you want mm -hmm. the new, the new shiny attraction, but you don't want to give up the, the one that you, you know, visited the first time you, you were at the parks. Is there, is there a piece of trivia out there on one of the backstories of, of any of the attractions that you just kind of consider – that is just some of the coolest information I think we've ever gotten, or that is so incredibly cool how they did that or what that means, or maybe people wouldn't know just something random. Mm -hmm. I, I will tell you, well, first of all, there's so many things, right? right. Oh yeah. Just, yes. so right. So Definitely. Many, you know, if like, for example, if, if, if you've ever dined at the Liberty tree tavern in Liberty square and you sat in one of those dining rooms and you haven't noticed that each dining room is themed to a different colonial figure, mm -hmm. then you've missed mm -hmm. out. Right. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, one is for Betsy Ross and you've got a flag in there and George Washington and, 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 and Paul Revere and all that. So it's little things like that that I love. But the one thing I, the one thing that really shocked me the most is about an attraction that, you know, depending on the day you catch me is either my first or second favorite attraction ever. And that's Pirates of the Caribbean. Right. And and really that relates to what the backstory of the attraction is. I had mm -hmm. always thought, you know, you know, there is no backstory or, you know, listen, it's, we see a bunch of pirates sacking a Caribbean town and, you know, and, that, and that's it. What I discovered in my research was it's actually a morality tale, right? It's actually a right and wrong mm -hmm. tale and shows you, you know, what happens to pirates who, you know, you know, pilfer and, and plunder and that's, they end up dead. Right. And the reason you don't notice that is that, the first real scene you see this dead man's cove scene, we see these pirate skeletons. Mm -hmm. That's actually the end. And when you go down the waterfall, you're going back in time to see what led the pirates to get to that fate. Exactly. Nobody gets that, yeah. right? Nobody right. knows yeah. that, that listen, this is, 
you know, we're showing you what happens to bad pirates. It's, you know, when I, when I would experience the attraction, I'm like, well, there's just a bunch of pirate skeletons and now we're going to see some other stuff too. <laughs> it, it's actually there for a specific storytelling reason that, um, that everybody misses. Right. Mm-hmm. So that was the most shocking to me is there was a, a, a morality tale story to Pirates of the Caribbean that even though I'd written it hundreds of times, I had never been able to piece together on my own. Mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. I didn't, I don't even think I've thought about that. So yeah, that makes total sense. And now I'm going through like in the ride, I'm kind of vision, envisioning the entire ride as we go through and the, the, the drop and everything. Yeah. That's great. That's, and, that's it, and it's a little, so cool. and I will say this, that, you know, things have also changed too with the, with the, with adding, you know, the, the, you know, since the Pirates of the Caribbean film franchise was so popular. Now you, you kind of work those characters in on top of this tale you're telling and it's kind of doesn't make a whole lot of sense now the way it used to mm-hmm. before they did that. But again, technically, you know, that first scene you see is the result and, and the rest of the attraction is showing how you got to that result. That's just fascinating. And yeah. I, and like, if you, once you read that in the book, it's like, you don't write it the same way. You're like, Oh my gosh. But <laughs> yeah. well, you eventually yeah. work your way around to other parks when it comes to the Walt Disney world, uh, the, the backstories and, and, and things. At some point Absolutely. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, so, you know, in a perfect world, what I would have done is, is take the parks in chronological order. So Magic right. Kingdom first, Epcot, the studios and Animal Kingdom. Mm-hmm. But for the reasons we just talked about, you know, Epcot's in so much flux right now in terms yes. of what that park is yeah. going to be. And, and, you know, and, and Animal Kingdom has been, and really, I'm, I'm about halfway through the backstories book on Disney's Hollywood studios. And oh. the reason I chose that park is because with all the additions that have been made, that park's pretty, pretty well fleshed out at this mm-hmm. point. Right. And so you're never going to be able to get it to where you, you get the book out and then things don't change afterwards. Right. Right. But now with toy story land and with star Wars galaxy's edge, it's pretty well fleshed out. So I've been working on that for about, you know, seven or eight months uh, along with some other projects, but that, that will be the next one on the pipeline. Mm-hmm. And I will get, you know, all these books out. <laughs> at some point. The good news for readers is, is that, you know, the studios, Epcot and Animal Kingdom, they'll all be one volume each, right? It was right. right. <clears throat> because of the number of sheer years, the magic kingdom has been open. And, and a lot of these are attraction driven. So having five, far the most attractions of any of the parks it was either make a humongous single volume book or break it up into two volumes but uh, yeah. but all those <laughs> we will eventually uh, get you know be published which yeah breaking it up was probably good because yeah we <laughs> the, it i don't know for for me i like having something that is a manageable re- i mean i love to read so i'll read long books but it's nice when it's like okay well i know it's in this book you know if you want to go back and reference it and yeah, and, and honestly, it would have just killed me. It would have killed me to try to pull off getting getting it yeah. all into one. Just the, the whole proofreading process and editorial process at the end. Oh, that'd be a nightmare. Would have would have would have killed me. I, I tell people that the most frustrating chapter of those two backstories books to write was the one about Tomorrowland, and oh. because Tomorrowland has gone through so much change and has mm-hmm. had by far more attractions than any other land in any Disney park. Upwards of 40 mm-hmm. different attractions have called Tomorrowland wow. home. And what's fascinating is it's the only theme park land to be completely rethemed, you know, you know, several years after opening, right? So yeah. when, 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 when it first opened, it was this, this real world look at, hey, here's what we think the future will be. 
and you've got this Saturn V rocket and, and it's, and it's mm-hmm. all based in this, 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 what we think will be reality. Well, you know, you had this yesterday land problem, right? When you start trying to predict what really is really going to come, mm-hmm. it becomes outdated mm-hmm. very quickly. And so, yeah. you know, they, they, they completely rechanged and rethemed that land in the nineties to be this, you know, future that never was, but always will be this, right. this Buck Rogers, Jules Verne, HG Wells version, science mm-hmm. fiction version of, of Tomorrowland. But, but because of that, because of all that change and all these different attractions, it was a, a, a pretty big task to kind of try to flesh out what those stories mm-hmm. were and give, because, because it also provides some historical, you know, Hey, here's what actually happened yeah. in the parks as well. And just kind of getting through that with Tomorrowland was much more difficult than I initially thought it was going to be. I can imagine that, that would be a lot for sure. <laughs> yes. Although Tomorrowland's one of my favorite lands. I love yeah. it. So I spend a lot of time there. So that leads me basically to one big question because I know you have a series, you have the, the travel guides that have come out, the, the Disney World guides. How in the world do you write a book about traveling in 2020 to Walt Disney? So, oh, how, big question. Like, how I know you're the updating world, this one. Like, just yes. in, in February, you're writing that book. Yeah, like this is great. By the end of March, you're just like the whole, all the manuscript just throw up in the air and be like, just pick something. <laughs> Who knows? Well, I don't know. Yeah, I, I will tell you, it has been. It has been extremely difficult. And, and, and so, so my guide, you know, kind of my take on, on, on guides was just focused solely on attractions, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm an attraction guy. I, I love the restaurants. And I love the food. And I love the details. But I think the primary reason that anybody enjoys the parks is because of all these different attractions. Mm-hmm. And so I looked at other guides that were out there and for each attraction, you get maybe a paragraph or maybe two paragraphs for big attractions. And I wanted a guide that was everything you could possibly ever want to know about an attraction, how to experience it. And so uh, first published that a couple of years ago, had great feedback, second volume last year. And you would think that maintaining a book like that would not be too much trouble, right? It's like, okay, we got to go in, we got to edit, edit, you know, the new attractions, pull out the old attractions, what other changes you need to make. Wow. You know, this year has really changed everything, you know, for, for, for things like, you know, not being able to park hop, you know, and, and, and the fast pass system, which was a huge part of the book, uh, to, to be gone. It really, it, it really, you have to change the dynamic of how you experience the parks and correspondingly how you go about experiencing the attractions that I write about. So it has been, I won't, I won't, you know, I don't want to make myself out as, as some, you know, it's not a Herculean task, but mm-hmm. it's taken a lot of work to try to get in there and provide readers with good content and essentially the best advice I can possibly give them on how to experience attractions in this new, this new environment. Uh, I did make the choice because I've, I've actually, this, the, 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 the new version is out to the editor now and will be out, uh, mm-hmm. will be out in the next couple of weeks. I decided to leave, my discussion on fast pass plus in there with a caveat that it's not in place now, just in case it comes back next year, because I was really proud of of what I put together on fast pass plus, because it's so, it was, you know, it's a great system for you how to use it, but if you don't speak the Disney language, it can be very difficult. So, Mm -hmm. uh, but, but it's essentially, you know, uh, you know, just, just, you know, how can you experience attractions the best way you possibly can now? And the short answer is, is you got to adjust expectations, right? You got to adjust expectations in terms of how many you can experience, which Mm -hmm. per park is a lot better now because attendance numbers are way down, but not being able to park hop, not being able to do some other things, you know, it's, 
it's going to be essentially a less, you know, go from one attraction to another type type vacation. And I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping things somehow normalize within the next, you know, 12 months so that this time next year we can, you know, implement fast pass plus into the strategies and we can, you know, kind of, you know, implement park hopping into, into how we experience different attractions and different parks on the same day. But it absolutely. has been crazy. It has been absolutely crazy trying to get that book out. I, I would imagine. <laughs> so when do we think we're going to see, do, do we have like a, a intended publish date for the 2020? Yes, it should be out within the next 30 days. Um, oh, wow. You know, okay. Every, you know, so we've gone through, we've gone through kind of final edits and we're just kind of doing some touch up things now. So it will be out. It'll be out in the next 30 days. Fantastic. That's really cool. I do. And I was looking on Amazon because you can kind of look inside and see the, see some of the information. And I do like the fact you have a top 10 Magic Kingdom oh, fast yeah. pass attractions. Like these are the ones that you need a fast pass for. Cause you know, Jen and I are travel agents. We get asked that question or did get asked that question previously. <laughs> yeah. Right. What do you need? A, uh, what, you know, what do you need a, a fast pass for? Mm-hmm. Or, and Jen can recognize this. People will tell us, okay, we got a fast pass for the mad tea party and we got one for Phil magic. Do you think we should get one for laugh floor or the barnstormer? And we're just like, no, <laughs> no, just stop. You need me. Just like, let me no. do it. Just shut up and let me do it. I'll do it. <laughs> and, and, and David, that's that's what I'm so glad you brought that up because you know we we tend to forget you know how overwhelming that process yeah. can be for people who aren't Disney experts. I'm sure right. I'm sure the two of you see it all the time in your yeah. vacation sure. planning work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why it was important to me in the book of listen, I you know I can't just write these the a travel guide for Disney experts. It's got to be material that you know, the average Joe mm-hmm. off the street can take in and understand because again, the fast pass plus system, if you know how to use it, know how it works, what a great tool for right. helping you experience mm-hmm. the, you know, so many more great attractions. If you don't know how to use it, it's just a, just like any other tool that you don't know how to use, it's wasted. Right. So, right. Uh, so let's, let's all keep our fingers crossed that this time next year, you know, or sooner we will, we will, we will be back to, to some type of, of, of normalcy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. And I do have to say that what I love about your attraction guides is it is, I love the little thing at the top where it has the overall, like, this is how people feel about it. And this is how mm-hmm. kids like it. And this is yeah. the height. I mean, yep. and it's all the things that people ask, but I mean, even on a phone call for me to go through every single ride with somebody right. like, well, what's this right. ride like, <laughs> you know, Here, I mean, this. Yes. Like, yes. sometimes it's just like, I mean, I'm happy to go through them all with you, but do you know how long it's going to take me to talk to you about all of this? <laughs> well, you know, it's, 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 and again, again, not to repeat myself, but again, you, you, you all see this, but you know, Disney, Disney world can be so overwhelming. And yeah. when you talk about attractions, right. So just this, this sheer number of attractions, there really is no way to experience everything unless no. you decide to do a three week vacation and maybe then you can do it. And so it's important to know, Hey, what's worth my time based on my yeah. family's preferences, mm-hmm. right? What, you know, what will my family like and what do I think will be the most valuable use of our time? And yeah. uh, so we get into that. Even things like, you know, the, how to, what the attraction vehicles are, are like, right? You know, right. if you get mobility issues, you know, can I actually get on this thing? What's the boarding procedure like? Mm-hmm. Information like that. I was like, how can we, how can we make this as useful as possible? Sure. Uh, and, and I'm very, extremely proud of the book and, uh, and we every year we upgrade it, and and now we've got just tons of great pictures and illustrations from from my buddy Rob Yao in there. Oh, and Rob. I've got some of his books. I love <laughs> Rob. Rob. Rob is fantastic. As yeah. a matter of fact, a, a new project that I've got coming out 
knock on wood in the next, you know, six to eight weeks. Uh, Rob actually did the, is doing the cover for me. So, uh, so excited about that That's project. Funny. It's, um, it's called uh, a magical half century story celebrating Walt Disney World's first 50 years. Oh, wow. And it's just a cool mm -hmm. collection of really fun stories about the Disney company. And Rob cool. put together a fantastic retro 1970s ish style cover that, that I'm really excited about. And here's what I like about, and just what I'm seeing in the in you guys, and you mentioned the Main Street vehicles. I was actually reading the section about Main mm -hmm. Street vehicles in terms of, you know, the best seats and boarding wheelchair ECV and touring strategies. And because a lot of people don't know that yeah. those are only certain parts of the day. And, you know, if you go there at six o'clock at night, you're not getting on them. But I, but I enjoy this because I can tell that, you know, you're, you're a Disney fan and you're writing a Disney guidebook instead of this entire team of people that are visiting the parks at all hours. And they're, you know, they're being paid because they're one big team or, you know, you've got this official Disney source that, I mean, you're, you're a Disney fan and you're writing a Disney guide mm -hmm. for Disney fans. And I love that. I think that's yeah, very think that's genuine amazing. and very authentic, which is great. Well, well I, 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 pre, I really appreciate you saying this. And I, you know, I, I've been very blessed. I, you know, I, I don't write books to make money. It is not, you know, anybody <laughs> who writes books will tell you it's not a very profitable enterprise. You know, I, I don't use it for, you know, to, 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 to pay my bills. Uh, I do it because I love it. And mm -hmm. I, 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 I write books that I would want to read as a Disney fan. <clears throat> and so that's what I've tried to, to, to put down on paper. The guide was a completely different project for me when mm -hmm. I first started a couple of years ago, because this is the first time, hey, I'm not only am I just trying to give some really cool information, I'm trying to help people enjoy their vacations a little more. So it's, 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 they're all passion projects for me because I care about the parks. I care what, about what people think about my books. I want to put out something that I can be proud of. Sure. Uh, and I feel really great that, that what we put out there, uh, you know, hits all those marks and nothing is more, you know, no, nothing makes me happier than to get feedback on a book from a reader and to mm -hmm. say, wow, I didn't, you know, I didn't know about this backstory for the Pecos Bill Tall Tale in a Cafe and, and man, I'd never heard of Beastly Kingdom in, in, in the Animal Kingdom. Tell oh, me, right. tell me more cool. about that. So yeah. uh, that, that type of feedback is really what keeps yeah. me, you know, when I write is when, is when the work day is done, which is mm -hmm. for me a long sometimes and when the family time is done. So that's late at night. And so right. that's, but that's how I like to spend my time. I like to study these topics and I love to share the information with other people and hopefully make their, make their Disney experience mm -hmm. even better. And like all art, it's a labor of love. Yeah. And so, you know, I know for sure that our listeners, if you, if you haven't been convinced yet, let me convince you because I've enjoyed every single one of these books mm -hmm. and, um, you know, go support, you know, my husband on the side does music. And so it's always nice yeah. when people will yes. support. So right. tell everybody where can they find you? What's your website? Mm -hmm. Give them your social media. If there's like stuff that you, if you're tweeting or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. So my website is chrissmithbooks.com and, and you'll, you'll find all of my books there, including the, the two new ones that'll be out, that'll be out soon. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at C Smith Disney. And if you love kind of, you know, historical Disney pictures, if you love old Disney pictures, construction pictures, and just fun mm -hmm. details, uh, I think I'm a pretty good follow there. That's, that's the stuff I like to see. So yeah. that's the stuff that right. I put out. So, right. so, so those are the two, the, the, the two best places to, to find me. And of course my books, you can get on Amazon uh, just by, by searching the book title 
or my name and Disney. I think if you do, <laughs> do, you do Chris Smith, Disney, it will get you there. Well, and for the reader or for the listeners, if you are like me and you, you hear something, you're like, I'm going to write that down, then you just neglect to rewind back 20 seconds to get it again. You can always go to our website too, themscpodcast.com, and we'll have some information on, on Christopher's books. We have, a, we have a page called The Bookshelf, and you know we love to put stuff up there mm-hmm. that people can go to and see the books we recommend and that kind of thing. And we'll definitely have you up there as a friend of the show because now you're a friend of the show whether you like it or not. So, you know, just, just <laughs> deal right, with it. there we go. <laughs> just Excellent. deal with it. So. Yeah. And then, um, well, one thing before we let you go that we have to ask you. Yep. How did you Disney this week? Okay. So, so this is a little bit of a stretch. Okay. That's all right. So the, it's okay. The way, we- the, way, the, the way I Disney this week was to introduce my children to something on Disney Plus that they had not seen, which is something I loved, which are the old Davy Crockett movies that are, oh, on, that's- oh! that are, that are on Disney Plus. Absolutely <laughs> yeah! love you know, Buddy Epson as Georgie Russell and Fess mm-hmm. Parker as Davy Crockett. Absolute oh. classic Disney, kind of the stuff that I fell in love with, you know, rewatching as a child and kind of got oh. me in, you know, into that kind of, you know, it's, it's that wholesome family type stuff. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, we've got twins that are seven. Um, they loved it. They loved it. My, four, my four-year-old called him baby Crockett, but you know, I that, Crockett. Was, that, that was, that was close enough, but that's, that was our, that was our Disney fun this past week. Oh, that's legit. Yeah, I, tell I think you that what. works perfectly. <laughs> I've yeah. been, it's been a minute since I've seen those and now I'm like, Hmm, <laughs> good stuff. It is I'm good automatically stuff. thinking of, uh, of the country bear jamboree when they sing the ballad of David Crockett. <laughs> so, good, good stuff. That's good this stuff has right been, there. This has been wonderful. It's been so great to meet you. I know Jen's has yeah. talked to you a couple of times. This is great for me to talk to you for the first time. I've, I've, I love hearing Disney history and I love, yeah. I like being smarter than everybody else when I go to the parks, knowing about things that other people don't know about. So I could take this in and go, yeah, you probably don't know it, but let me tell you the story behind that trash can. <laughs> I know you don't care, but I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> what, what's funny is, is I did that for a while and I just completely annoyed my family. So now I just sit back and wait for the questions, right? I can't, <laughs> there you go. I, I, I can't get out in front of it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I love it. I love it. Oh, well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been just wonderful having you. So um, mm-hmm. we, we really appreciate it. And we'll be having you back on again yeah. once we get, um, I'd love to talk to you about your new stuff when, once yep. I get a chance to Absolutely. read I'll, the new books which come out. <laughs> That's right. I'll, I'll shoot you guys copies when, when, they, when they get released. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. But I, I had a blast. Any excuse I get to jump in and talk Disney history, Disney details, Disney attractions. Uh, I love it. So I really appreciate We'll you always have that. a forum here. And if you ever want to come back on, before we even call you, if you want to come back on, give us a call. Yeah. We'd love to have you. <laughs> Absolutely. You got it, man. You got it. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you so much. Have a great day, Chris. Thank you. And we are back, and I feel like I'm a little bit wiser. I love talking to guests who know about Disney history and le- learning stuff. I think that's – the Pirates I mean, thing threw me. I didn't even right? I never thought about it. 
So yeah. and I knew that just from reading the book, but I wouldn't have known. I mean, right. had I not read that, I'm like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. Yeah, that's you really, know? really cool. Find us online, the Main Street Electrical Podcast. You can find us at the MSEPodcast.com. That is a website address. Go there. Uh, you'll see the show notes for all the shows. Mm-hmm. You'll see the guest list, the friends of the show. We'll have a bookshelf page where all the books and everything of authors and artists we've talked to are on there. And of course, our contact information is on there as well. Uh, you can find me online, Magical Nadaler, on Twitter and Facebook and uh, and uh, Instagram, which is where I'm doing a lot of posting now. And Disney Under Dollars, my Facebook page. Jen, where they may where may they find you on the vast interwebs? They may find me at Upon a Star Jen. And then also, if you care to person, care to follow my personal Instagram, that's at Jen underscore Novotny. Jen with two N's because that's how I like to spell it. And all the cool kids spell it that way. That's what I that's say. Right. Uh, it's like all the cool kids <laughs> spell their name S A R A and not with an H. I've heard that too. Oh. Just kidding. Ha ha. So, you know, my favorite Sarah's or anyway. Anyway, so so there's that. So, yeah, we would love for you guys to go to iTunes, go to Spotify. We're now on Amazon Music. We are. They, they opened up podcasts, I want to say either yesterday or today. Um, yeah. Because I have another podcast, uh, the, the Deuce Cast Movie Show. And uh, my co-host, Mikey, messaged me with, with a little screenshot that said, hey, we're on Amazon Music. And I checked the Main Street, and we're there. So you That's can go awesome. to Amazon and listen to our show as well, follow our show. Um, and, of course, Jen's going to get Divas Dish Diz on there. The original we may Dishers. We may already be on I there. I did Oh, check. did you check? Okay. But you have well, to we will be. You do have we to will be. It's an easy thing, so you can do on there. But yeah, we yeah, will make Christine very good. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Jen, let's finish this show up with a magical moment. What do you got? All right. So, our magical moment today comes from Agent Aaron. And I think we shouted out Aaron last week on the podcast. Probably. Hey, Aaron. Love Aaron. Aaron's great. He's yeah, great. Aaron's great. And so, this is actually about her daughter, Shayna. So um, Shayna actually shares a birthday with the Magic Kingdom and with Epcot. So that's October 1st coming up here. And during one of the visits that they had, a cast member noticed that she had her birthday pin on, which always wear your birthday pin, people. Always do it. And then, of course, the cast member wished Shayna happy birthday. And when she heard what date it was, she took Shayna and had her decorate an ornament for the tree that they were just starting to set up. Um, awesome. Which is awesome. And then when she finished, she got to hang it on the tree. So this is obviously you know, the Christmas shop. Right. <laughs> and right, then right. the cast member told her to pick which ornament in the store was her favorite. And when Shayna did, she got one, added her name and age to the ears. So apparently mm-hmm. the ornament had ears on it and presented it to Shayna. And she said that it was like an experience. So I love that. Now, now don't be like Jenna, wear your birthday pin all the time for free stuff. That's no good. But uh, yeah, if it is your birthday, wear wear that pin. I would say your birthday month, or if it's in like Mm -hmm. the first week or two, do that. I'll do it if it's in birthday month. Yeah, if it's September, wear your birthday month birthday pin this month. If it's September thirtieth and your birthday is October the seventh, then birthday pin within a week. Oh yeah, totally. You know, don't pull out like, hey, my birthday is in February, but it's October. I'm celebrating all year. (laughs) Don't don't do that. Don't do that. Don't be that person. (laughs) <laughs> don't be that person. Don't forget don't to wear your person. masks as well, because if not, Dizzy will kick you out and we won't have, we won't feel sorry for you. Because don't be that person either. That's the rule. <laughs> well, I'm mask. sure we'll talk about that next week. Cause there's a story that came out today. That's just, I find it kind of yeah. hysterical because I'm like, come on. Thames. people. What what else you wanted to hear? So yeah. find us on the like I said, find us on all the places we told you about. Go follow us and everything. Go to iTunes, Spotify, all those places. Give us five star reviews because that's what we that's what we love to get. Yay. Until next week, Jen, when I get to see you, get to see you again, which would be awesome. Uh, I'm sure I'll probably talk to you before then because I probably. always have lots of questions on things that I don't know about. But maybe <laughs> find us. You can uh, be kind to each other, be magical to each other, and don't forget to thank a Phoenician. Thank you for listening to the Main Street Electrical Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, 
and Facebook at The MSE Podcast. Or visit our website at themsepodcast.com. Be sure to subscribe and may all your wishes come true.